Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. My name is Andy Lipson, and again, joined by Kenny Zapeda and Jessica. And uh, as you can notice, we're missing Eduardo. He's still on vacation in, a, in um, Colombia. He'll be back in July. Um, but we are joined by Allison. Allison is a mother and independent researcher in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She blogs at the intersection of race, finance, and technology at Wrench and the Gears. Uh, and I'll, I'll put the Wrench and the Gears link below. Um, I want to remind people we are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. And you can find uh, our blog uh, in the episode notes. And please subscribe, rate, or review, and turn on your notifications. Um, so welcome, Allison. Thank you. Thanks for giving me time again. Yeah, I, I was, appreciate it. <laughs> I'm always excited to have you on. Um, always a little nervous to see what we're going to talk about. But I was thinking about, do you remember the something called the Sharper Image Magazine? Uh-huh. I used to be excited about the Sharper Image Magazine because <laughs> it always had these cool like gimmicks, <laughs> like these these like electronic things that are like for the future. Like, but you know, I, I think of you as like the Sharper Image Magazine for all the cool and crazy gimmicks. But the capitalist class has in store <laughs> fucking up our lives. <laughs> You're like that magazine that has all you go, you flip through it and you see all the crazy. I'm like shit two years have. ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, and uh, oh, Jessica, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, how was your trip? It was awesome. Okay. Just lots of sunshine and good food and. My Spanish still sucks, but it's a little better than it was before. So, excellent! Congratulations. So today, um, right here, um, we're going to discuss uh, a nine-part series uh, that Allison wrote, and we're not going to discuss the whole series. Um, I think I'm going to let Allison describe what this whole series was about and why she did it, but. We're going to kind of discuss our different impressions of going over this material. We recommend people themselves who listen to this take the time to go through this. We're not going to go through everything on here. Um, but Allison, can you say a little bit about what, what prompted you to produce this series? And what generally do you think is the thread that runs through it? Because we're going to talk about a lot of things today. Yeah. Um, well, so I initially started out doing a, a sort of a big relationship map around this proposed legislation for this California trust framework, which while they don't call it blockchain is essentially it's uh, Robert Hertzberg um, introduced at his, his district is in um, the northern part of Los Angeles, and that would be the infrastructure for digital identity in California. And we know that California, both like as the most populous state, and then, you know, and the next Texas <clears throat> that they're looking to get people as human capital commodities onto blockchain. And it's been interesting to me to see the different narratives and how they have to pitch it to both California progressives in California and then conservatives in Texas and try to like thread the needle and get everybody excited about blockchain. And the progressives need to get excited about it for like wraparound services and you know, pre-K and, you know, housing wraparound services. And then in Texas, it's like liberation and, you know, freedom and free markets. And so this, this system is, is, is going to be appealing to both. So we started looking into it and um, examining uh, Robert Hertzberg's connection to um, Nicholas Bergruen, who's a billionaire financier. And 
work that they were doing back in 2011, this blueprint for California, which was sort of an elite bipartisan group of people to fix broken government in California and essentially laid the groundwork for this. And there were only 16 members of this sort of group. Again, it's a private group. This is not an elected group to sort of lay out the future of California. You know, and one of the 16, like it includes Eric Schmidt, you know, of Google. So it's it's very clear these are very highly very connected folks in this in the space. And then as I was going through, I realized it builds off of our conversations that we had around the conditional cash transfer in that around the same time, I, I can't remember who brought it to my attention, but like the, the sterilization program in California that happened between I think 1909 and up until the early seventies that it was formally discontinued. And California was like by like far, the state that did the most um, institutional sterilizations of people who were deemed deficient in some way, right? And this really ramped up during um, the depression actually, which so, and and so it was framed as again, population management. Um, but again, the people who were asserting it were predominantly very affluent men, you know, scientists who were saying, well, we need to, we need to take care of these deficient, like unproductive citizens. And, and this was happening at the same time that there was increased immigration from Mexico um, and, uh, you know, China and things like, you know, there was, a, it was anti-immigration sentiment and yeah. So they were just, you know, doing this reproduction control system. And it, in fact, it very much informed um, the Nazi racial hygiene program. And everybody's very proud of this, you know? And so I was looking into seeing like who these people were. And many of them were actually leaders of Cal like California higher education. You know, the, the first president of Stanford, like many of these people, it was the, um, the uh, uh, Human Betterment Foundation was based in Pasadena. And so you look at this and then you, you look forward to now we're approaching a new era of mass dispossession, not unlike the depression. And we're, we're, we've been conditioned, you know, many people over the last two years to trust the science. And then I keep thinking, wow, like we really need to look back at what's happening within California's eugenics history. But not just that, my impression based on, you know, really trying to center Stephen Newcomb's work around um, the domination principle and the pivotal role of the California Spanish mission system and all of this, that it, it's, it's a scientific management approach to um, natural life, right? Like to existing natural systems and an imposition from the outside to say like, now we know what lives have value, which lives don't, how to improve lives, which is the human capital finance program. And so for me, because California is such a major player in impact investing in the role, like, you know, web 3.0 mixed reality is, you know, kind of a, it's not exclusively, you know, but California Silicon Valley plays a really central place. Also Los Angeles, also San Diego in the bio nanotechnology. So I keep thinking like, I wanted to talk with you guys about it because I know just, I mean, at least you're, you guys are West coast, like how this fits in with like all of that plus manifest destiny and digital empire. Because to me, I find the history really interesting because it, um, like today I had someone tweet me and again, a well-intentioned person who came from the education privatization space, you know, and I, I looked at this person's tagline and it was like, you know, I'm a person fighting the communist takeover of education. 
Like that was the tagline. And I'm like, and this is somebody who actually engages like pretty thoughtfully on my post. And I'm like, how can you have been following me for the last at least two years? And then you have that on your, like straight out as how you identify on this social media platform. Because again, I'm not asserting, I'm not any ism, like I'm not an ism, but clearly this stuff is about capital. Like, I'm not saying that the, 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 the left has its own stuff going on and there's definitely the polarity serves the function. So I'm like, oh, there's just stuff we have to unpack. <laughs> and like, sometimes I feel like if we can dial it back into history, it's not so like, if we can get it back before the Cold War, like people might be able to see the story a little bit better and that it's an imperial story. And guess what? Like all of education has trained us in the stories that we need to do to live in the empire and not notice it. <laughs> and I think California does a really good job at that. So anyway. Um. Do you hear that barking, unfortunately? Okay. It's okay. We like dogs. All right. God. All right. It sounds like you're well, in Latin America. Kismo, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, he loves to bark during what's left. I don't get it. Um, so, well, thanks, anyway. Allison. Yeah. And I guess today's, so today's discussion, um, when I talk with Allison about this, when I talk with you about it, um, you kind of were saying like, well, let's just see what kind of comes up for for, for us as, yeah. we, as we went through it. And um, maybe what I'd like to do is either start with you, Jessica, or you, Kenny. What were how how much did you how many of the articles did you kind of get through? I went got through with the first seven. Um, I got two more to go. It's not a leaderboard, um, Andy. <laughs> well, no, just to give a sense of how much of how of of where of of how much you were able to cover that 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 you you know had an impression from. So, um, and then some impressions you had as you kind of went through the material. Who would prefer to start? Maybe Kenny or Jessica? I can. Okay, go ahead. I mean, uh, a lot of this stuff, or at least I, I got through the first four, um, you know, work, stuff, whatever. But, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of this stuff in some way. But, um, and I think that a lot of the clips uh, were very helpful uh, in the kind of summarizing and synthesizing the ideas that some of these people uh, pushing this stuff, um, you know, have in mind. And, and, and it also, um, it's kind of surreal to see how they casually speak about, you know, changing humanity, engineering society, synthesizing technologies, you know, uh, with humans. Um, like the very first clip uh, that I remember was that Dr. Rue, I think, who uh, was talking about uh, basically human en enhancement, genetic editing, implications of that um i don't know if we can show that at some point but um you know that that and that is just one element of the yeah. multi-dimensions of what is happening right it's it's not just about um the way we study we do health it's about the way we interact with people it's about the way we the way we relate to each other the way we relate to nature the way uh nature is just um again, engineered to, the way we're playing, I guess these people are playing God, you know, playing gods, and they have no problem with it. You know, even even in that same clip, you know, I remember what he talked about, essentially what I understand is a uh, fuck evolution, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
going to change the human germline. Exactly. Exactly. Why, <laughs> we can control it. And of course, there are going to be problems. Of course, there's going to be some sort of uh, ethical issues. You know, he compares uh, that issue with um, the abortion issue, right? And, and how polarizing that is. And, and I have questions about that, whether, you know, we even are going to have debates by the time this is so much, you know, so integrated into our lives. Um, and then also just thinking about the, the implications, right, of, you know, sure, let's assume this thing can be good, right? Let's assume, right, like editing, you can, you know, make people's lives better. You know, it, it doesn't, this is not separate from the inequalities, you know, that are, in, you know, have been constructed in, in this system, you know, in, in, under capitalism, especially, you know, uh, who do you think are the super, superhumans are gonna be of the future? Who are gonna get first access? I actually think, you know, I thought, and this is call me a conspirational theories, but like, it just so happens that a lot of like Hollywood people have had twins, you know, <laughs> it just so happens so, you know, um, in it just so happens that a lot of athletes, you know, are getting these like, you know, highly advanced technology uh, therapeuticals, you know, in other countries, not in the U.S., but they go to Germany, you know, to spin their blood and inject it back into their knee. And they're back, you know, it didn't bounce back, you know. And again, this is an issue of, um, you know, a group of people who are going to design humans, you know, not just with higher physical ability, but higher intellectual ability and all these things, right? Let's call it a good thing, enhancement. But they are the ones who are rulers right now, and they're going to perpetuate their rule over us. You know, it's not about democracy, you know, at no point, you know, and that is so omitted from at least that first video clip that tokens you're going to get some democratic tokens <clears throat> for the collective <laughs> that's, that's how they're selling it yeah and so again this that you know yeah. it, it just misses uh you know it, it, and, and i think that is kind of the uh a, a general sense that i get from these people that they talk about fixing society or the different elements of society um without addressing the root costs, you know, of, of, of our issues, you know, and um, it's all about, I think you said it in one of your articles, Alison, um, uh, where basically they don't want to clean up the world that they messed up. <laughs> they just want to engineer the way out of it or, you know, and that will create new consequences and repercussions, you know, and, and of course there is money to be made, you know, and, and, and with that comes power as well. Um, and so it, it, it's a level of, I hope, naivete by, you know, some of these people. But I, I do think they tend to, like, just like any salesman, any salesperson, you know, they, they sell the good parts, you know, and, and they want to hide the, the sinister parts, uh, which in reality, I think, are, are, are the most important parts. Because in order to, you know, govern people, masses of people, dispossess people, um, you know, uh, you have to hide the ugly parts and, ah. you know, until the system is running, you know, and, and then like everyone sees the consequences uh, of, of this stuff. And, and, and then it ties us back to the mRNA stuff and how many people uh, just dismiss this, you know, just take it, just whatever, you know, and, and without realizing how closely related to gene editing mRNA is. 
you know, in people in the, in the scientific field that I know, friends who have accused me of conspiratorial disinform spreading disinformation, who are in those industries, um, you know, completely missed that because they were just excited by the, you know, like little kids, by the future. And I was that person too, you know, by, by the possibilities of technology, the possibilities of controlling things and making them better. And, and by, but again, the evidence shows that trying to make things better creates repercussions and ripples that they're not even aware of. <laughs> and so that's again, just one element, right? Gene editing. And, and then, you know, we're talking about the mind, we're talking about the synthesis of other technologies with the body. And, and so, yeah, this is a very dense topic. That's the first thought for me, you know, in terms of the ability of a few people to make superhumans or, you know, super workers, they're super rulers of the world too. Um, I just want to chime in just about like telling the story. Um, something I, I, I encountered on, on Twitter in the last day or so. Um, there's a gentleman, his name is uh, Cesar Hidalgo, and he's Chilean. And he got his, I'm trying to think, he taught for a while at MIT Media Lab. And he's the gentleman, he has all these TED Talks about democracy. And he's the one who is asserting this idea that you will have a digital twin and we'll have this radical democracy and your digital twin will just know you and it will vote for you. And I was kind of shocked because somehow I came across on Twitter a thread where essentially he was unpacking that he had a terrible tenure experience at MIT. And essentially he was thrown under the bus with very little consideration and no response. And he felt that it had to do with like, you know, being a Hispanic academic and being pushed out like in the community. And now, I mean, he's since moved on and he has his own collective learning lab in Toulouse, France. So it's not like he, you know, just, you know, ran into a dead end, but, you know, he had this really like long Twitter thread about it. And at one point he said, I thought I was a player, but I was just a pawn. And I'm thinking, and yet he's still selling all the stuff he developed at MIT Media Lab. Now he's in France selling it. Like he's still doing all these talks on digital democracy, even though he personally like went into a field feeling like, hey, like I'm a big fish in a little pond and I've got, you know, my future ahead of me and everyone likes me and I've got my TED talks and all these things. And then life comes in and says, uh, -uh you know, you think you're cool, but you're not so much like the war machine, like literally, MIT is the war machine and MIT Media Lab is the mind war machine, right? He goes into the mind war machine, he works for them and then gets treated badly. And then like the course correction is still just repeating the same thing he was doing there in another location. And so to me, it's quite like, I think that's the, the challenge is like, how do we get through the narrative of people who are either conditioned, you know, to, to even people who are supposed to be highly intelligent, or for their own self-interest, just like bounce back and get back in the rut because that's what you do. And um, so I guess I was just thinking about like, how does this unfold? Because the managerial class, the people who are credentialed in it, even when they're treated horribly, just come back and they keep doing it. So anyway, that's the democracy part. I was just, but yeah. And in the, in the gene stuff, you know, I, one of the articles and you guys probably didn't get to it. And it was a bit of a sidebar, but I had a bit of a meltdown with a friend. We were doing tending these city trees and we were pulling weeds in these 
pits. And, and, you know, you guys are in city environments, like, you know, like the weeds, they come back, <laughs> you know, it's a wild, like it's an urban jungle, like there's stuff. They, they And like the way in which the weeds were treated, like, which it was its own little jungle. Like it was this little, like six by six foot ecosystem. And yes, they needed to, these things needed tending, but I was going to compost the stuff. So at least their life had meaning, right? Like you pull all the nutrients out of the soil and, you know, and they were just like, no, it's trash. It's all trash. And I got, I kept thinking like in this mission framework, who gets to say what life has value under what circumstances? Because we went from a place of like an untidy, unkempt thing to um, like, totally scoured gray dead soil but it was tidy you know and that's the way like that's how this the struggle over the gene editing I don't know it's all just super like making people super like some of it may be actually creating chronic illness that then you can milk for data like milk for remote monitoring around cardiac stuff milk for remote monitoring around neurological stuff like I feel like while I don't necessarily buy into a mass genocide. I do know that these people are market shaping for their wearable technologies. So on the one hand, it's superhuman, like maybe if you figure you've got it really right. But on the other hand, it's also making markets for excess labor to be like, okay, now your labor is to sit there and wear your wearable and behave so that we can make our impact markets. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I was, I, like I, I told you guys before we started filming, I, I had limited time. So I kind of, I, I blitzed through kind of like bird's eye, a lot of the parts and then kind of like dipped down um, and took my time in a, a few different spaces. Um, but just one of the things, um, just listening to you talk right now, Allison, and, and thinking about like just how much of this is so not new. And I think, you know, for those of us that are like the past two years or even the past, like, five, 10 years, whatever, like the interventions and um, just material changes in our lives, like the ones that have kind of been thrust upon us, like it can feel jarring and reading your work can feel jarring and like very overwhelming at times. And um, because it feels like, like, whoa, this is some crazy dystopian future. But then like reading the, the parts about the history it's not like it, this like market sh shaping that you're just talking about a minute ago, the eugenics, sterilization, the machine madness, like all of it, you know, it's been going on forever. And I think it it's interesting that you said about like, just in terms of sort of getting people to, I don't know, just like open their mind and um, see it, you know, see the, the, the imperial, nature of it right um and that what did you say like if we can kind of get pre-cold war I think that's an interesting like I don't know theory or attempt like if we can get back into a little bit you know before like a few generations would people more easily be able to see the connections and and I don't know because I think like one of the things that we, I always kind of stress um, in with my students um, in a lot of my classes is like this myth that progress is somehow like automatically linear, right? And that like, whether it's like rights gaining or technological progress, right? Like, like things just 
keep getting better and better, right? Um, because I think a lot of young people feel that way. Like we're we're brought up to feel that way. Um, you know, especially in, you know, um spaces like like, you know, the San Francisco area where you guys are and Seattle where I was, it, you know, they they make you feel like, wow, like all this stuff, like we just invest enough money and steal enough labor, right? And like we can solve all these problems. Um and it'll be green and it'll be equitable and it'll be um yeah like this utopia um anyway I'm 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 going off but um I, I actually one of the ones I spent a little bit more time on was there's a part 10 right is more if there's 10 yeah now. there's like six more parts. okay so that, <laughs> I, I, I just told you I was doing this today um I no no it. I haven't put them all in yet like okay. they're still coming so yeah uh, yeah, I just when Andy said there, there's nine at the beginning, I was like, oh my god, what, what did I just read all afternoon? Um, but no, I because I, that, that was the first one that came up on your homepage. But it, I also just because I've spent so much time living in Seattle over the past decade, like a lot of the oh, yeah. mobile stuff and the Space Needle and all of that stuff, like I was like, oh yeah, see that, see that, see that. <laughs> um, and uh, like another thing that I, I hope we can talk about at some point today, um, that I just felt like it was such a recurring theme and has kind of been on my mind is just like the ritual thing mm. um just how ritualistic so much of the fourth industrial revolution and all of it like all of it and I like I don't know it's it, it, I've always kind of felt like um you know like black pilled people will say um you know like they always tell you what they're gonna do before they do it like that's part of the ritual or whatever because I think Kenny was saying right like about how casual they are in some of these clips you know like these elite drivers um they're totally like open like they just talk about this shit and put in the fucking tent <laughs> like are you serious so i yeah i mean maybe at some point I'd, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on sort of just that and is that like i don't know like it's such a weird like perversion of I don't want to say the sacred because then it's, I don't know, but um, yeah, just like the ritualistic things. And especially with, I know, Andy, you mentioned like the stuff with the Royal family. Um, like a lot of that stuff was, yeah, I was, I've been thinking about that um, as well. Watching, I just had my mom here and my mom's British and, you know, she watched the, the whole Jubilee thing and the hologram. And I mean, I think a lot of people, I, don't know, I mean, my Twitter is probably not a, not an accurate, like, <laughs> representation of the general public but a lot of people found the hologram creepy and or at least like sort of cringe and weird um but uh, there were a lot of people there cheering for it right <laughs> same thing when she you know lights up the forest lights or whatever right and yeah you write about the chakras like moving up the tree and it's like this weird skewed thing um she's like half conscious I mean she's so like I don't even know is, is that really her yeah. <laughs> is it a hologram is it a stunt well I don't know um it's just yeah anyway um so yeah I would I would love to talk about the ritual ritualistic thing at, at some point if people are interested but those are some of my kind of first impressions so I just so my I mean you guys have known me like from the beginning right like when I was just a school person right so like the scope keeps getting wider um you know and literally I mean there are many people who come in from like 
the truth or side of the esoterics or different things. And like, I wasn't that, but the more you actually look at it, you can't ignore like the, these folks, like they feel like there's, they've got stuff going on in these other dimensionalities. And it's, it's quite interesting for me specifically in California, because Nicholas Bergruen, he has this thing called the Bergruen Institute. He literally wants to build a monastery of scholars on the top of the Santa Monica mountains. Okay. And so I have a map in one of the spaces originally, just like, cause I'm the, the cultural landscape person. So I'm like, how's this layout? Right. And you, you've got UCLA and the first ARPA node, like going up to SRI and then like, you know, right up the hill, you've got where he wants to put his monastery, which isn't there yet. And then you, you track the bottom of Hertzberg, you know, district, and then you've got Disney and then you keep going over and then you've got Caltech and you've got, you know, the, um, is it the San Gabriel Monastery and you've got in the J-PAL and you've, so, so it's this trajectory. And then, you know, there's other things like in that corridor, but they're really not like, literally you could drive from one to the other, in like 45 minutes. And so the thing about Bergruen is he was a financier. His father was a, a curator in San Francisco um, in the thirties. He had an affair with Frida Kahlo. So that loops back to our other whole series on Diego Rivera. But like when he retired from his finance career, he decided he wanted to become a philosopher king. And so he just, he, he sold all of his, his possessions. This is the story in many, many articles, like in the New York times and the wall street journal, he became the homeless billionaire. Like that's his, his constructive persona was the homeless billionaire. And so he just lived out of his luxury debt, jet, his private jet and luxury hotels until he's like settled back in Los Angeles. So like how lucky for California that he came back, but he said he wanted to study um, philosophy and there were two UCLA professors. And I can't remember the second one, but the one, his name is Brian Copenhaver and Brian Copenhaver, his focus is early European, early modern European magic. Like that's his specialty. And like, I mean, it's not, fringe like you know he's on there like on philosophy podcast talking about metaphysics and the hermetica and so you've you've got this guy who has access to all these resources and he's very interested in studying this and he's actually very interested in like confucianism and so they have a lot of stuff going on in china too so there are these like extra dimensionalities and stuff that's grounded in you know like mathematics and these other things that i think regular people are not supposed to think are serious, but the people who are doing it are pretty serious about it. So, um, you know, in, in the Bergruen Institute, like part of the reason I wanted to do the eugenics was that they had four main focus areas. One was to redesign democracy. So redesigning democracy, uh, redesigning capitalism, and then transforming what it means to be human. And then, and then the fourth one was this 21st century council, which was essentially like a mini world economic forum, but, you know, they've been working on it for 10 years and they're meeting with all, like they have about 20 former heads of state. They have, they've had like half a dozen meetings in China with Xi Jinping. And, you know, these are connected folks. These are very well connected people. So um, yeah, when they talk about transforming the human and they're working in metaphysics and then they have access to like high level nanotechnology and theoretical physics, you've got to kind of take them seriously, you know? Like we should all be, like serious people should be asking about the power dynamic. So yeah, the ritual is, 
Yeah, no, just some of the ritual stuff, like, you know, like, on a, I, of course, there are multiple layers to how these people understand, but at least from the way I see how humanity or history or what I understand is that from listening or, or their practices of ritualistic stuff, even just like Apple, right, creating this mega church, yeah. you know, and like people going crazy and waiting for the last Apple, waiting for the, you know, like the the conference, you know, to announce the new thing, um, you know, like on a basic level, they understand humans. They understand how, how we operate, how we've operated historically, yeah. and, you know, and, and they, they nudge these things in order to get masses of people to participate willingly, um, you know, in, in these ritualistic aspects. And that also speaks to what Jessica was asking about or commenting on in terms of, this notion because I hear it in kids and I, I was that person too, like, oh, what's the next thing? You know, what's the next thing, you know, to improve our lives, to make things better. And so, you know, it, 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 the ritual is, at least from how I perceive it, it's part of, you know, making us follow this trajectory of expecting better improvement. And, you know, like, this is not good enough, you know, and, and and, and so it, it's scary because I do. They they know how humans operate, and they know how to manipulate masses. Obviously, and we've we've experienced it over the last two you know two years, and that was the biggest lesson I had personally. In, in because and it's scary to be standing outside of it, mm -hmm. and, and see how efficient it is, and how much how many lies I accepted, how much distortion is is also dismissed. And how anyone who challenges, just like in any good religion, you know, they have mechanisms to push people who challenge the, 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 the mainstream narrative. You know, they, they have mechanisms to dismiss you as conspirational or anti-human or anti-science, you know, weaponizing the very things we're trying to defend uh, against us, you know, or people who stand outside of, of, of these systems. Uh, and, and so again, the ritual part is so like, essential uh in order to convince people and be part of it to me yeah and for me i had a lot of thoughts while i was reading some of this stuff i went i got through one through seven and i didn't realize it go, it's longer than nine so you're going to have more added on after this so folks you got to you better start now if you're going to try to catch up to this so I think um, you should make it into a book, Allison, because <laughs> one of the other, sorry to interrupt you and yeah. really quick, but like, it's, it's really hard to take in that level of detail through a screen for me anyway. Like I yeah. wish I had it like, I don't know. And even in just like pamphlet form or something, the, ink wasn't so expensive. the part you lose though, are some of the clips, which I do think we are going to, I think each of us has some clips that or at least one clip that we want to show from it, because I do think each clip has so many nuggets of <laughs> of really evilness <laughs> and humor in some ways, but insanity, but, but fear, it creates fear for me when I watch, when I watch some of those things um, and anger, but so we're going to get to that. Um, but I think, so I think the question, first off, the thing that comes up for me first actually is Allison, you mentioned you had a teacher who was like, I want to stop this communist plot, right? I, I want to stop this thing. And Wait, honestly, yeah, yeah I, I'm glad to hear that. And I, as a person who identifies as a communist and Kenny does as well, I'm fine with that guy saying that because what he wants to do is he wants to stop this. He might think it's communist, but the first thing you got to do is say you have to stop it. Whether you think it's capitalist, whether you think it's communist, this thing's going to have to be stopped. And that, and that is the feature 
that I think is most important that I would that I would want to work with people around because I also understand why he thinks it's a communist plot because one you have you know so-called former communist nations and Cuba Cuba has is injecting more of its children right now with vaccines than any of the any of the places around you know and Cuba's not make running the show here folks but again the 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 role that socialists and the left has played in this, I, I, I'm just going to say, I have to say, I can understand why you think you're fighting a communist plot when you see China doing what they're doing and things like that. So just to clarify, this particular chunk was about, it mentioned Goldman Sachs. So it's like, if you want to try to convince me that Goldman Sachs is communist, like I just, like that's, that just to be, yeah. it wasn't a rand, it wasn't actually anything that had to do with the, I'm like, yeah, there's a I, fundamental I actually, misunderstanding. For me, but, for me, I understand how people, they they come back around and they and they do that math a different way because they kind of think that all these folks are in it together and they think that they're trying to take our cap our free capitalism away from us and turning it into a communist collective. Well, you'll have nothing and like it kind of thing. Um, anyway, that's not really the yeah. most important okay. point. The, the important point for me is the starting point is stopping this. And I do think communist if communism has anything to offer, if Marx has anything to offer this. We are going to have to prove it in this season that there is something we can offer in, in solving this problem because the people who say they were Marxist have discredited this themselves. Um, but I do want to also go back to what Kenny was saying because I think Kenny and I had a similar question. Like everything I was seeing from this kept on being these, these salesmen or saleswomen who were selling this stuff. And I kept looking and saying, these people over and over again are telling me, technology is going to solve the problem. Technology is going to solve the problem. And that's what they were doing over and over again. And it brought me back to our last episodes that Kenny and I were doing, looking at the Communist Manifesto. And Marx is talking about machines, the production of machines, and how machines are displacing humans in the process under capitalism. That is part of how capitalism works. And in doing so, it actually produces a crisis. And in order to get out of that crisis, the, the, the capitalist has to produce more machines. And the, but the machines themselves, the, the in, ever-increasing part of capital that relies on technology and machinery to, to create profit is the actual source of its ever, ever impending crisis. So everything they try to do has within it it's, it's the seeds of its own ruin. And so that's what I see these people doing here. Basically, they're, they're taking the very same game that has got us to this point and saying, we're just going to we're going to kick it up a notch. We're going to now actually turn humans into, into machines. We're going to turn your data and things of your identity into, into, into widgets that can actually run things. We're going to take you out of the equation and we're just going to make the whole thing a machine run thing. And that- I think they actually want to put the machines in you. I mean, I, I think that well, there's- yeah, a, and, I, and I do the, increasingly feel like that there's a, a computational element in this, which is really crazy to think about, yeah, but- and, to make well, that's what cyborg ultimately means is that the division line between where you are yourself and where yeah. you are on a piece of equipment and a tool, you are increasingly going to be squeezed out. So more and more, you becomes a, a tool yeah. rather than anything that's actually human. And as you can notice in all these little videos, people kept on saying, "What is human? It's so <laughs> confusing." Uh, da, 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 da. And I'm like, anyway, I will get to that. But but I, for me, I I can now draw a. When I think about the push for this, it still feels like it's the it's the drive for profits. It still feels like it's it's these are under conditions of deep crisis. And so the very same thing that got us, got us into that COVID nightmare that pushed this last thing is the very same thing that to me 
gets us to Ukraine and Russia and United States and NATO. And it's the same crisis. It's the same push for profits, which for me is the same thing as pushing CRISPR into building new humans. And, and this was an article I found uh, just, just looking up. I'll take this one. And hold on. Um, this was in 2019. Cyborg warriors could be here by 2050. And this was the Department of Defense talking about CRISPR technology and how this is in 2019 again, an article. And they're talking about how the future warriors by 2050 are going to be ocular enhancements to image sight and situational awareness, restoration and program muscular control through optogenetic bodysuit sensor webs, auditory enhancement for communication and protection, direct neural enhancement for human brain to, for two-way data transfer. Um, and they say this technology is, is, is predicated, is predicted to facilitate read-write capabilities between humans and machines and between humans through brain-to-brain -brain interactions. Um, and they note in this that this technology is going to be kind of hard to sell, but it's, it, it is inevitable. Um, and when I, so when I see things like this and when I see like just the other day, the, the, the guy from the, the newest UK general came out and said to the, their own troops, the UK army has to tell its soldiers to prepare for a potential World War III and saying, you 50,000 troops understand we're going to have more of you and you need to prepare to be on the theater in Europe. And then Russia responds and basically says, you know what, UK, if that happens, if there's a World War III, UK will cease to exist. Britain will vanish. And he himself says, where are you people going to live? And so when I see stuff like this, like this to me is the context under which we are watching. On one, on one strand, you see these people trying to dig themselves out of this giant hole that they've created for us using technology. And at the same strand, they're prepared and they are preparing to literally destroy the whole kit and caboodle, right? And I believe that both those things are going to be in operation right now. This whole, this whole mythical idea of creation with this tree and things like that, to me, that feels like kind of the fever dreams of Rasputin during World War I in Russia, like just people believing that this is how they're going to get themselves out of these problems. But Allison, I do believe you're right. They should not, these, these visions they have should be taken seriously because these people they're not credible in terms of believing that they have a solution, but they are credible in saying they will enact what they think is the solution. And it will be, I believe it's going to be the end of humanity one way or another, um, unless we stop it. So those were the things that came up for me in looking at this. Is it re reinforced for me that the stakes are humanity here? Should we watch the What is a Human clip? That was one of the ones that I pulled, and I feel like it. Yeah. Relates to a lot of what you just said. That was that to, 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 to. A. Okay. Yeah. Tobias Reed. Tobias, that's jackass. I couldn't oh, stand yeah. that. Guy. Okay. I think I have it right here. He's he's in Berkeley. Oh, <laughs> no wonder. I have my matter. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Should I play it, Andy? Oh, I have to screenshot. Oh, you got a screenshot, yeah. So what, what is the human? Sounds like a funny question, like a huge and giant and big question. But the way in which we have answered these questions, or this question, what is a human being, seems to be outdated. So historically, we in the modern West have basically assumed that humans are 
the concept of the human is stabilized by two differentiations, that humans are more than mere nature, and if you're set apart from animals and plants on the one hand, and then we are other or different from mere machines on the other side. So on the one side is the human, on the other side are animals and machines. The criterion of differentiation for this was that we humans have what animals and machines don't have, namely we have intelligence, machines have Mecha mechanics and animals have just instinct, so they're kind of enclosed. So this leads to a funny set of binaries or little couples where humans are intelligence, machines have instinct and mechanisms. Humans are free, we're not bound by instinct and mechanism, while animals and machines have necessity. We are subjects in a world composed of objects, we're thinking things in a world of mere things. If you think about the university, you see that there is a faculty of arts, which is concerned with the human only. And in fact, it's concerned with the human in so far as it cannot be explained in terms of the natural sciences or engineering. It's this idea of the more and the other. And you have the faculty of science or engineering, which is concerned with everything else, everything else in the world, from you know squids in the ocean to the formation of clouds to global weather uh, systems to rockets to single cell organisms and minimally viable microbes to termites. So we think that today, and that's the basic idea from our basic observation from which the transformations of the human program starts, today all of these distinctions or these two differentiations that we're more than nature and other than machine fail. I list microbiome because no one quite knows where a human being ends and its microbiome begins. The microbiome would be the number total of the microbes that live in and on your body. So for example, most of the neurochemicals that we find in our brain, the brain that makes us, so to speak, are actually produced by bacteria living in our gut, which is a very funny, funny idea. Or synthetic biology, we'll talk a lot about this, the organisms that synthetic biology produces don't exist in nature, but they're perfectly natural, as if the distinction between nature and technology or nature and art don't, doesn't quite hold. We're, by any measure, not the only things in the universe that are intelligent. Animal intelligence research has sort of undermined this, and machines think today too and learn and have intelligence. So it's as if the vocabulary, the logic of the human that is implicit in the vocabulary that we have to think about ourselves as human, to experience ourselves as human, to make sense of ourselves as human, doesn't work anymore. There are technical and scientific possibilities that have outgrown them. So we humans appear to be neither more than nature nor other than machine. And so the question is, what is the human? What is it that defines us now? So we designed the transformations of the human program as an effort to place philosophers and artists in science labs or in conversations with scientists in biology, but also in artificial intelligence, so that they together collectively study the understanding of the human or of the world that emerges from AI research, for example, or from biotech research, so that this is not an abstract arbitrary question, what is the human and everyone has a feeling or an opinion about it, but that we actually make science and technology visible as unfolding philosophical events. Um, that's very irritating. Um, Jessica, <laughs> go ahead. And what, did, what were your thoughts on that? And well, I, I want everyone to share that they think about that. Cool. I mean, I don't know. Like, I get he's trying to like debunk the, you know, the whole like more than human, like just the anthropocentrism. But 
because framing doesn't get any less anthropocentric and in fact it gets more um i mean humans are animals <laughs> first of all like <laughs> we are and that's great animals are beautiful amazing um and i don't know like that the whole the whole framing of like the definition of the word is outdated like that to me is such an academic impulse um and I, like, I've just been reading um, about that, the documentary that's just come out called What is a Woman, which is about a different though related set of issues. Um, but I think like, it's the same impulse to like complicate something that's not complicated. <laughs> Everybody knows what a human is. Everybody knows what a woman is. Like, I don't know. It just, yeah. I mean, obviously there's all sorts of directions in terms of the the consequences of what he's saying when it's actually applied but my yeah my irritation is just uh most immediately in that sort of like academic anthropocentric framing which I just constantly see being it brings me back a little bit to a conversation that we had with John Kleisek uh where he talks about how um I guess when we try to define things they it takes the essence of things away you know, and um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's what, um, I think this is a product in a way of Western culture, mm -hmm. capitalism, you know, and um, Western science understanding, because, uh, you know, uh, there is different definitions or understandings of the depth of what humans is too, and de depending on different cultures, depending on your environment, your context, you know? And so, you know, like, um, it, it is pointless to me, you know, <laughs> like you said, like it, it, like it also in a way doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, like to me, what, what other people think it's human. It's like, what is it to me? You know, like, what do I experience? Um, but I think that in this process of creating all this bullshit, all this technology, is the homo, homogenizing force, you know, there is a homogenizing force of, you know, telling everyone around the world, this is what this is, you know, and, and this is what you should be. And this is how we improve you. And this is what's wrong with you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's that's where I think, you know, that school of thought, that, that vision of the world, that understanding or trying to explain, you know, uh, humanity. Uh, it's about, and ultimately, it, 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 to me, it's like it goes back to exploitation, you know, because that's, that's why you want to categorize things, you know, uh, because or, or, or if you don't, you know, you, you would just let them be. They just exist, you know, and at least that's just how I see it. I think too, like, like disassociation and like the way that he's framing and all of these people are framing like what would be like fulfilling, you know, it's like, to me, like based on my lived experience, right? Like the most fulfilling moments and experiences of being human right are when we fully fully like accept reality not necessarily in like a super hyper secular way right but like 
accepting your body, right? Like accepting, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like I'm a female, human, mammal, whatever, right? Like these really, yeah, like embodied experiences, right? Dance for some people or human touch, right? A mother breastfeeding her baby, like these like full embodiments of like what it what it actually is materially and also spiritually, you know, to be human, which is, I, I guess, like the ritual you know, thinking more about that. It's like the, we are super ritualistic beings, I think innately. And so it's, that's maybe why it's, why it works. Um, they're sort of capture of that. Um, but so there's like fulfillment that way, but the way they're framing fulfillment is like a complete disassociation from that. It's like fulfillment would be like transcending that human embodiment and that human experience, like to make it bigger or better or, or augmented, right. In some way. Um, so to me, it just seems like, mutually exclusive sort of pathway is like toward fulfillment. And I think, you know, the latter is obviously a, a false promise as, you know, if you've ever read Frankenstein or like any book ever <laughs> written, right. in the sort of genre of dystopian literature, then you know that. Yeah. And I, I'm so irritated by people like this and by this whole scene in front of me, these people, this, this is academia. This is the, the, the egoism of academia, but I, and, and I recognize that these people are not, they're not really the face of what we're facing. They're the, they're the front men for it. Behind them is Pompeo. Behind them is the CIA. Behind them is the state. Behind them is our people who, in corporations whose calculations have nothing to do with artists or engineers or, or humanity has nothing to do with that. This, their calculations are, but here's the front men for us right here. And he's such a fucking huckster because his first thing when he talks about humanity is human humanity. Are we machines? Well, we're not machines. We're not hu- we're not animals or in nature either. I was like, wait, when did you write me out of that? What? How? When you started this argument? When you? When you? You little fucking philosopher, fake. When you started this discussion, how did you write out the theory, the idea that some of us actually think we're part of nature? Like there are some of us who believe that. Actually, there's a lot of people who believe that you just literally wrote that out of the entire discussion because that's not a, not that it couldn't be a starting point, but he's not going to allow it to be a starting point because he's trying to sell something. And he's what he's trying to sell is this AI biotech project, which is, I do believe, like Allison points to it all the time. Why is Department of Energy involved in this? Why is the Department of Defense involved in this? Why do we keep seeing these more, much more pernicious entities and institutions deeply involved in all these sorts of things. And this guy's not only is he trying to smooth talk it in front of us and leave out a whole, like pretending to be a philosopher, but leaving out the idea of, wait, do you know there's a possibility that humans are just part of nature and you're trying to strip us from that right now because you left that out of the whole discussion. But secondly, what you're trying to soft sell here at the end is, oh, we're going to have artists looking at this. We're going to have scientists looking at this. They're going to be much, those people, first of all, I wouldn't want them looking at it. I don't trust those people. But secondly, they're, have, they're not, they're not going to decide how this goes. It's not going to be an artist deciding how this goes. It's not going to be some well-meaning scientist even. And frankly, even if they, at this point, I wouldn't trust any of those people anyway. But he's trying to tell us in his little language that you're going to be safe because we have, we have hum, people who care about humanity looking at this. And it's just, I get so angry looking at the fact that his shoes the color of his shoes matches sweater. And it's just, and that woman, it looks like a, she just looks 
sinister to me, the way she's sitting there in that chair. Um, and the, it's very irritating and very upsetting when I see this kind of stuff, because it's, it's all through it. And my clip is going to be a, a version of what, what you've shown us here. Just one little comment, I guess, like my partner a while back, you know, made a comment about San Francisco, right? Because there's this like hyper focus on, on all this worldview, you know, <laughs> like designing, improving, quote unquote, um, you know, and, uh, or, or equality and democratizing all these, you know, uh, cliche uh, topics. Uh, but she said, you know, like San Francisco is full of robots. So I asked whether these people are themselves humans, you know, and, and you know, because like I think that I do think there is something that's like misguided and and out of touch with what at least my sense of humanity is, you know, which is aligned to what Lipson was saying. We I, I do see the world. We are part of nature. We're we we did not come into nature to conquer nature. We're part of the ecosystem, and that and that means the world. That means everything, you know. And and but these people are so far removed from that understanding, you know. So they, they think it's okay to just design, you know, tinker with, and, and you know, and, and and oblivious to the repercussions of of things that have taken, you know, millions and billions of years, you know, to happen. Uh, and, and they think they 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 can, you know just measure it and get it right, you know, right away in, and it will be, it will be happy, you know, in that democracy and in improved humans. So Allison, go ahead. Cause you, you find some of this, these gems. So what were your thoughts and what are some things that come up for you as you. I just want to point out that this guy is like one of the second in command to Bergruen who's at the oh. arm of the California trust framework legislators. So you know, it's not that far off. Like when they need to neuroengineer you, it's going to be on your blockchain electronic health record. And that's something that Hertzberg doesn't talk about at all. Um, I mean, the one thing that I, I think is, is important to understand is these folks are now, it's their narrative shaping. So they're, 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 testing out the storylines to make things acceptable. And that's why, again, you, you've talked about bringing in the humanities folks, bringing in the artists, like they're there to sort of do some A-B testing of like the storyline. And it's, if you look at it that way, it's helpful because you can see how they're planning to pitch it. And so a lot of the tech, essentially what they're trying to frame is biology as technology. They're like, look, we caused all of this harm with these petrochemicals, right? So much true. So now they're going to reframe synthetic biology and gene editing and, you know, bioreactor fermenter things as local and organic. And so because it uses molecules, somehow all of this is now an organic technology. And so it, we should be more accepting because it's the new paradigm. And, and it's not going to be global supply chains. We're just going to do synthetic biology, like mushroom fabric here in your local community, you know, and, and, and have the robots like, you know, plan out the shoes and all the stuff made out of the CRISPR mushroom stuff. And so the narrative is being laid out. And I think that's important. And the other piece that it goes along with a few other papers that I included in some of the, the write-ups, but they're literally working on bi-directional, like energetic systems where they literally look at 
life, like biochemical life, how do they describe it as like an, is it a say, is that how you say it? Essay, yeah. Essay for digital communication. So someone out there has reimagined that with an appropriate oracle of a biosensor, our livingness in the world can, can communicate information about what it is to live in the world into a digital space. And they're really working hard on that. And then increasingly, like they even have use cases right now, like improved fertilizers where they're doing, you know, synthetic biology where they can remotely activate genes. Um, and again, it's framed as organic, better than nitrogen, right? Like we've got these mo molecules in the soil and we can just turn them on at the right time, like remotely. And you've got James Giordano, you know, the neurohacking guy out there saying, wow, this could go all sorts of ways wrong. And we don't have any, even any policies in place to protect people from this, like this remote operation stuff, neurohacking. And so literally, and, and it was sort of touched on in that article with the, the military and collective hive minds, they're imagining a future where like our material selves are, have no boundaries. Like, I mean, you talk about like in social settings, people not having good boundaries, you know, but they literally don't want our bodies, our minds to have physical boundaries anymore. And that we will like plug and unplug with other consciousnesses. And some of those consciousnesses may not, we currently may not identify as living things. You know, we, we, it's, it's, it's going so far out. And yet we haven't had these philosophical conversations and then they're going to have them for us, you know, at the um, Berkeley National Laboratory with the Department of Energy people, they're going to have the conversation and tell us how it's going to go. Um, so to me, that's, that's a bit shocking. And then just the idea of like capitalism, like it, these markets are built on inadequacy, right? Like your body doesn't work right. You're not the right shape. Your it's this is not functional. Your hair could be better. Um, actually, you know, your carpet is a little stinky. Like every single thing has there's a problem so that they can sell you the fix. And that was always that way, but now we're to the point of literally you talking about like bio nano hack, like where does that go? And to me, I don't know if any of you ever read that book, MT Anderson's Feed. It's like a young adult novel. It's really worthwhile. Like it's it's sort of an epistolary kind of framework, but it's set in this near future dystopia and people have a feed. They're connected to the feed. And like the young girls literally like multiple times a day, there will be the new trend of how your body is supposed to be. Like, and it gets into bizarre things like cutting with little eyeballs in it and like things like, but it's so amp, it's so brutal. Like it's multiple times a day, you have to change your body. <laughs> you know, and I can see it like this, this book is at least 10 or 15 years old, but knowing the mental health issues right now for young people, like, I just, I can't even imagine how we're going to navigate that without telling them like, you're okay. We love you. You're part of nature. We're, at, we're all the way we're supposed to be. Variety's good. You know, I don't know. That's what. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead. Jessica, were you going to say something? I was just going to make a quick little comment. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I always say it's quick and then it's <laughs> no. I just did a tiny anecdote just because I've been traveling recently, and you know, you do like ten times more people watching when you're like sitting on a plane or whatever, especially when you live in the middle of nowhere. But um, there's this girl in front of me on one of the plane rides, and she, you know, when they like whatever the intercom pilot says, like, okay, you can turn your devices on or whatever. And she was on, I think, Instagram or like some social media. And like, I've been on Instagram, like I've definitely done like scrolling to an unhealthy level at many points, you know, in my life, whatever. Um, But I was just watching her and just the pace at which she was just the thing about the feed. And, you know, it's like a literal Mm -hmm. social media feed, like just literally just scrolling and like and then into the story and then like onto the next onto the next and it I was like actually really disturbed because even if I'm like you know doing something like that like she was going like 50 times faster than like (laughs) than I would go you know even if I'm sort of on autopilot and it just I don't know what hearing you yeah talk about sort of like the mental health and stuff like I, I feel like that's just like a little microcosm of like literally like, okay, I have to switch to this thing and then change this. And here's this trend. And then it's father's day and so-and-so is having a baby and these body types. And it was like watching a robot. I mean, literally it was so weird. And she was like, you know, a young, young girl. Um, So I agree with Allison, what you were saying about the thing that this is, that this is narrative shaping and they're, they're testing. It's not just testing out the technologies. They're testing out the narrative that they're going to use to create, to pitch this. Cause in that, in that department of defense article was like, this is not going to be an easy sell, but this is the sell we got to make um, because we have to get there. Um, the, the, the trick of saying that this is bio, this is all biological now we're using natural things like even CRISPR that that's a, that's a lie because, well, let me say it this way. We've all been hearing about how MRNA is in this so-called vaccine, this, this thing. It's not mRNA. mRNA is a natural product of humans. It's synthetic mRNA. It doesn't degrade. The reason they don't use M- normal mRNA is normal mRNA degrades inside the body. This mRNA that is being injected into people is synthetic mRNA. It doesn't degrade. It's, it's, it sits there like a plastic log inside your body. Um, and secondly, even CRISPR, which is based on real biological something, Cas9 molecules that are found in bacteria, that are used by it, the, the, the complex that is put inside of people is not natural. It is actually very unnatural. And it's still a tool. Like if you, if you take the hide off the animal and use it as a tent or clothing, it's now a tool. And it's not, it's no longer in the, it's a, it might be a natural, but it's, it's you're now using it as a tool. Same with taking the bones of something and using the bones to cut something or using the bones to make the tips of arrows. Those are tools. And that's the trick. This little game they're trying to play and trying to say, oh, these things are just natural. No, you're not. You're taking pieces of the natural world and you're, and you're turning them into machines and you're using them, I would say, you're using it against us and the rest of the natural world. Um, so I, it, it, but it is a very interesting game that they're playing with language and with materials and with our own ignorance about what they're doing. Well, I'll say, I mean, the first article that I wrote just sort of situating this went back to March when we were in Salt Lake City at the Mormon Transhumanist Conference. And 
you know, it was at the Brigham Academy, which was the, the first, like, you know, founded by Brigham Young, and now it's the Provo Library. And they had, you know, it's, it's quite a big room, 150 people, a couple hundred people, and they had a big banner up. And it said the the banner, it's, it was quite interesting because it was sort of a skyline with a bit of nature. And it had two planes going across with like strong trails coming out of the back end. And then the, the line said, what will you create? And that was sort of the framing is like, what will you create? Now, this is the, this conference was particularly focused on blockchain. Um, but again, within the word spells, like in how they, you know, that's part of the ritual, I think, is imprinting, is they frame the narrative, right? You're a creator. This is the creative economy. Come on, guys. It's the creative economy. Aren't we all creative here? Creativity is good. We're supposed to be creative. Now it's with molecules. Okay, so it's with molecules, but it's organic, you know, and, and you can just see how they're they're leading everybody along. It's like, well, and, and knowing how the narrative has been weaponized over the past two years, you know, all of the tropes, you know, you can see, you can see, sort of see emerging what the new tropes will be, right? But it's organic. We need it to save the planet, you know, we, and, and that's how it rolls in. And I, and I don't know how to stop it because I have to say like the, even the people who were presented, who were these, you know, won these fellowships, right. To go do this work. Like I had empathy for them because I don't think that these were people who would go into it intentionally for harmful reasons. Like as the parent of a young adult person, like if your kid like got to school and they got a nice fellowship and you would be proud of them. Right. And then they would be proud that they got this fellowship and Hey, they're doing humanities and they're fixing the world. Right. And they just seem so it's this guy, Gabriel Corin. he's, and then there was this other young woman. And I'm like, as a parent, I kind of felt for them because I'm like, I don't want a world where to succeed. You have to go do that job, you know, because literally it's like they're workers, right? They're intellectual workers. I mean, you guys have been navigating that terrain of academic work. It sucks, right? Like to try to do like your gift and then navigate this world. Like we should do better so that people can do that and not have to be a front for bioreactors and like put a happy face on it. Like they didn't seem to be loving doing that. They were going to give it the, the college try. But that's not the world that we should build. I mean, in my opinion, like that's, but if we're going to try to route this, we don't have a lot of time to, to say it. Like now's the time to say it. And I, I feel like, again, within this weaponized narrative crucible, you know, I'm, I'm, and I don't do this just because I want to have some big name, but like, I, I'm trying to have a different conversation. And so many of the conversations that, that suck up all the oxygen aren't these exactly, or they're a version of these conversations, but I don't know that the context or the setting is something that could actually bring people together. So over the long term, anyway. Um, I just wanted to comment on what Alison said. Okay. The, I actually, you know, feel similarly that, you know, there's a lot of people who they, they are trying to do, you know, good. And I personally have friends who are in ed tech <laughs> nonprofits and uh, they think they're on the right side and it is hard to even get started with a conversation. Um, you know, and I, I personally think it's, 
a big issue is this reverence of institutionalized education, uh, you know, because this is the churches where they go to to get initiated into this frame of the world. And so challenging that frame of the world, then I'm the enemy, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm destroying what they were taught, you know, in, in reframing, like I personally, you know, had to rebuild my understanding of the world a few times. You know, I was completely liberal, you know, voter. I I was all about Obama. I went to his inauguration in 2008. You know, my friend was in Congress at the time, but that also in turn is what showed me the trash that's behind all that. You know, that like the whole high school feeling, you know, you know, around the the ball, you know, the ball, the inaugurational balls, and like who has a ticket to what, you know, and, and, um, but I guess just going back to my friends, you know, like they mean well, and they also have to make a living, you know, and, you know, it also makes me think of the people at the border, right? Like the, the, you know, like people from like immigrant backgrounds who become ICE agents. Right. It makes me think of the industries of, you know, like the carceral industries. Right. Uh, there are entire communities that depend on that. And, you know, it makes me think of the coal miners that Hillary Clinton just called them deplorables, you know. It, it, and so how then, you know, like um, it, it, and you will defend your livelihood, you know, and you will make justify your livelihood. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a human thing, you know. And so how do we get out of that, you know, and, you know, and like, like all these things that we're talking about this here are important and they're daunting, just like, you know, um, Jessica said earlier, and they're hard. Like my partner is like, she actually gets a little anxious when we have a conversation here because she has a hard time following, you know, she's asking to, to simplify, you know, and. And, but it's hard, right? Because like you do have to kind of dig in, and there's no other way around, you know, to kind of understand the implications of things. And and so I guess that is the human element in all this, you know, that it is complicated to talk to someone who thinks they're doing well because they've been taught that that's doing well. And and, and, and at least for me, like at least my mission is to destroy the reverence of institutionalized education, you know, like. Yeah, sure, you have some sort of angle and, you know, you've learned a particular frame of analyzing the world doesn't make you fucking right or the, the, the you know, the, the, the uh, authority on this, you know. My mother can give you fucking lessons on, you know, ecology and, you know, environmentalism because she make, can make a fucking meal out of nothing, you know, from the fridge, you know. So, so I don't give a shit that you have a college degree. You know, you know, there is people who can teach you something, you know, because they live humanity. You know, they, they don't go to learn theoretical shit. And humanity is complicated, you know, just like democracy is complicated. You know, but if you want to live in this tidy world that like the fucking communities that they're creating in San Francisco, you know, like the, the newly designed parts of the city where there are literal robots patrolling the parking lots of Kaiser Permanente in San Francisco. You know, the, 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 there, there are designed cities, you know, this supposedly designed for better living. You know, if that's the fucking world you are living, if you don't want to accept all, all the, you know, the imperfections that comes with nature, <laughs> you know, like that to me is where the line is, you know, like in, in, you know, so it takes a bit of bringing down the people who think they're authorities 
but also elevate the people who don't think they have a voice because they've been told your opinions don't matter because you didn't go to school. So uh, at least that's for me where, you know, that's the gap that needs to be bridged, you know, yeah. because like, yeah, all these technical terms, you know, the concepts needs to be understood, you know, because you have to understand implications. There's no way to get around it, you know, um, around some certain difficult topics. But to me is that, you know, reverence again, of institutionalized people in the reliance on the experts. No, be your own fucking intellectual, have an opinion, be wrong. And, and, and you know, like we all have to pitch in to stop this shit. And, and, and I think in the process of elevating people that have been told that they're not experts, in the process of them elevating themselves, we can create something new. But as long as we keep relying on experts, you know, then we get this bullshit, these salesmen, you know, that will lie because they are part of the system, that they will test narratives on us, right, to convince us that they know better than we do. It's beautiful. Jessica, you want to weigh in on, on some of the stuff that they said? Oh, I just feel like amen to everything <laughs> If you got something, go for it, Andy. I, I think the only thing I would, I struggle with this because I've never been comfortable with the people here in San Francisco or in the Bay Area. Like I always felt like an outsider, so somebody from the Midwest, from a different background. Um, and so I've always um, been suspicious of the arrogance that I see in this town and felt something that there was something um, deceptive this that was deceitful in it and 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 mean in it um so i don't know if i have that same response that allison and i don't have that same response that allison and kenny have of feeling sorry for those pe these people i kind of think these look when but there's a lot of talk about nazis and fascism these days everyone likes to, wants to talk about nazis and fascism but they're there was Hitler and Goebbels and stuff like that, but then there were the, the ground troops for that kind of stuff, and they had brown shirts. That's what these people look like to me. They they seem like brown shirts to me. They're just they're just they they might they sometimes are a little more diverse, but they um, but these these are the authors of telling us these are, or these are the salespeople who are going to tell us that that more technology is going to make our lives better. When, when we all know the simple message is the very process that got us into this problem, they're pushing it harder. And then, as Allison pointed out later in an article, now they're going to say, oh, but we're going to revitalize democracy as well. The very thing that they that they have used to, to strip away democracy, to read, to build tyranny, now these people are telling us they're going to build democracy. It's very hard for me to see these people as even allies in the future. Um, so if that's possible, that's great. That's why the guy who said, I'm, a, I'm an anti-communist, who wants to stop this, that's my ally. Because um, all you have to know is that this has to be stopped. And I personally don't think it's that difficult to say to somebody, the very people who lied to you about where all this machinery was going to take you are now going to bring you more machinery. They're going to try to make you a machine in order to solve our problems. What do you think about that? You want to, let's do it, huh? It's like, no, that's the simple message. And your mom would get it, Kenny. And most people would get that. But we are also being separated at the very same time. So, but I would say, I mean, my my research into impact finance, 
that's grounded in capital. Like, and it's not an ism. I'm not saying like one side or the other, but the mechanics of it. Yeah. The placing bets on managed human behavior. And, and there's a paternalism to it, right? Like that's going to come along. And the people who would be asserting this paternalism would be, in my opinion, probably the same class of people who were the social workers and healthcare providers who administered institutionalized mass sterilization. And, and without question, right? These were the experts that Kenny's talking about. So like the, we know what's good for you. We know what wellness behaviors are gonna work for you. We know what nutrition is good for you. We know, and, and, and all of that's gonna come with this emerging technology, right? And so it actually does matter to me that people understand the basic mechanics. Like this has to happen because there's a wave of capital that is real estate is not big enough anymore mortgage debt isn't big enough. You have to become the debt. And if that piece isn't understood, I find the whole thing, like people are not getting it, right? And, and it's going to cross housing. It's going to be healthcare. It's going to be education. It's going to be food. It's going to be the judicial system. Like there's no aspect to the lives of anyone who's on the verge of dispossession that isn't going to be touched by that. But it's not it's not communist here. Like, I'm not saying that other countries don't have their own things going on, but here it literally is about understanding the finance. And if we don't know where to situate the power, like where to look, I don't find that just the, like, I'm angry about this. Like, it's going to help us focus. I mean, once we know, and we realize it's Google and Mark Benioff and all of these jokers, like, I, I don't know that I have a much better strategy, but like, we need to understand it's them. And I don't know, maybe those people would just call those people communists. I don't know. Like, but it literally is about like, we have to package you with debt. And then to me, that's where if we backed all the way up to the mission system, right? If we backed all the way up into who is worthy, who is not, who is saved, who is not, who is compliant, who is not, who is natural, who is not. And it's, it's bound up in indebtedness, like spiritual indebtedness, financial indebtedness then it feels like a like accessible in a different way. I guess that's what I was trying to get into with the mission system a bit is that on the one hand, yes, you have these complex debt structured products and the Mark Andreessen's and the blockchain and the staking and all of this stuff, but you could just sort of tie it all the way back down to these tithing and these feudal systems. Like there is a, I, I feel like that there is a through line I was just thinking all of a sudden about the Sherwood Forest part of your series, you know, just thinking about capital and like this, I mean, holy hellfire, so <laughs> bizarre, like this 5G forest, but like Robin Hood, right? That dude, right. It's like the whole myth is about steal from the rich, give to the poor. Like <laughs> it's about class, like wealth redistribution and class warfare. Maybe he was right? really an impact investor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. And you have to understand though, I spent at least two decades around people who said they wanted to take, who said they were anti-capitalists on the basis of being calling themselves communists and they're, they expose themselves as complete frauds. And so yeah. I, I don't believe in what people say. I believe in what people do. And so if a person says, I want to, I will set my back against what's happening 
If they want to call what they're saying right now, right now, if they want to call that communism, I'm with them. Like, of course, we're going to have that discussion because really the discussion is had while we try to stop it, while we try to put our bodies in the way of this thing and our minds against it. Because really, that to me is what's where people are going to learn what's, what's this really about. And frankly, where I myself will learn, I do think this is about capitalism. I do think that that socialist revolution, as Marx described it, has something to say about where we might need to go. It doesn't answer what that's going to look like, because I think Marx thought it meant taking the means of production and using them. I'm more mind of the mind that that's going to have to go as well, like, like the way the Luddites kind of looked at it, um, that Marx is critical, actually. He's he's on their side because he knows what they're angry about, but he's critical of them because he's saying they're trying to teal, turn the wheel of history backward. And I'm like, we're going to have to turn that wheel of history backward if we're going to get control of this, because this has gone for way too far. Um, so can I just ch chime in one, like yeah, the com complexity is that I think many people who are opposing are opposing on the basis of individual rights and free markets and crypto. <laughs> and so, and I know that that is a, that is a central part of where they plan to drive this. Like these, these things are not disconnected. And so yeah. while I don't think that individual people who are necessarily understanding that, like, as they make their choice. But when I keep saying, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go you like the, the, the hungry kid, the person who is leaving prison, the unhoused person, like your family is five to 10 years from that. So while you feel like maybe you can separate yourself and build your wall for your, your family or your community, like that, ethos I think is not going to be effective we actually have to come at this thing in terms of preserving the collective and I, I think that there's a counter to that like and I'm not saying a, the collective in terms of a, an ism but simply no one small group of people is going to somehow cut themselves off and preserve their own independence within the system and until we feel some mutual obligation to one another in how this goes and not just in our own country, but globally, because this is the metaverse. Like that's what I keep saying. I'm like, this ultimately could be the unifying force of the world, like a reckoning that, no, I don't want to, my kid to have to put their brain in a robot and compete against your kid in the Philippines putting their brain in a robot against people in Colombia putting their brain in a robot. Like nobody's kids should have to put their brains in robots. Can we all agree? Like, let's not do this. Like, I don't want to like, put our brains in a robot so that my kid gets $2 more an hour than your kid. Like that's a terrible paradigm. The whole thing is terrible. And so anyway, that's just where I'm at. Like, I, I feel like there is an intentionality in terms of triggering like an independence minded patriot libertarian crypto thing that it actually really has to be addressed. Not that those people in and of themselves individually are bad people, but that mentality, if left to progress, the way they hope it to progress will become a major problem in the not too distant future. And that's what they're selling in Texas. That's why like the paradigm between the California cell and blockchain and the Texas paradigm are mirror images, but go both going the same place. Anyway, that's my. Kenny, would you want to say anything about that? Um, not about this. Uh, was... I, I kind of, all I'll say is, and I think, I believe, I believe that sincere struggle is the, is the way we're going to sort this out. 
Um, and it will not be sorted out in the discussion. It will be sorted out in the fight. And the discussion that we're having, though, does because Allison, everything you just said is are the discussions that are actually happening right now in the in the prepper communities that I'm in right now, like about how much we can survive on our own. And I believe there is no individual survival, but and it's even a discussion Brandy and I are having where we try to see how much we agree on what are we really prepping for? Like, are we prepping for our survival to people? Or are we prepping for our survival? And what does that mean if things get strange and stranger and we feel like there's limited resources, what it, that, that discussion is gonna have real meaning about how much we share with our neighbors. Why do we share with our neighbors? Our neighbors who refuse to listen to us and we talked about this before, but now they might be open to hearing it. Like all these sorts of things are gonna be part of shaping what collective means because unfortunately, and this is where I get back to that guy, Collective has meant do what the state tells you to do. That's what's happened. And so we, we are going to have to re, re, find a new definition of that word yes. that, that connects it to actually, to actually what it was supposed to be, which is collectives, collective, collective action was supposed to ensure individual agency, individual expression. It was never supposed to be counterposed to it. And that's how it's been done. And that's how it's – so it's understandable that people – are extremely skeptical of those of us who talk about collectivity, um, particularly as it gets rebranded by the World Economic Forum, yep. to say you're not you're not going to have shit and you're not going to like it. And I guess I will say, yeah, like um, it, it does. It is scary that they're set up on both both ends. <laughs> you know, like uh, quote unquote leftists who wants to you know help people align the more individualistic. It's, it is scary. They got they have a win on both sides and funneling everyone into the same you know future. And um, and I think that's where like we need to have these conversations right with everyone, like these honest conversations. And and I do wanna again to recognize that I what Lipson is saying is like at this point it's about finding the people who want to do something about it who who see something is wrong you know in you know in making something out of that and because that is the most fundamental thing if you don't think anything is wrong if you just want to go along if you don't want to bother then there's nothing I can do there you know and and, and yes you know like um, also it requires a high degree of honesty, you know, in terms of our politics, our understanding of of history, right? Like, I, just like Lipson, I understand now. It took me a while. I was very dogmatic, too. I was very, like, communism, and I would get mad. No, let's look at reality, what shit happened, why people are afraid of communism, and rightly so. I don't want that shit, <laughs> you know. I don't want to, you know, that collectivism dictated from the state, you know that's not the world I want to live in. That's not my sense of communism, you know, in, in, in democracy and liberty and sense of individuality, you know, and, you know, I've even had difficult conversations. I had one with Jake, uh, uh, in, uh, not, not classic, Jake, uh, Eduardo's friend, you know, and it was a tough conversation because he comes from that more of the libertarian worldview. And, but yet we found commonality. You know, we understand there are these dictations, there's these big structures that are governing our lives, 
you know, and so there is commonality and, and there's a sense of this has, something has to be done. And so uh, those are our allies, not the people who are in the system as well-meaning as they may be, <laughs> you know, and, and, but they are unwilling to, to, to realize that there is something fundamentally nefarious and deeply wrong with, you know, the task they're executing in this machinery. Um, and, and so for that reason, like, I don't, I, I don't think I can, it, it, for me personally, it's a waste of energy to try to reach these friends that I disagree with fundamentally, but they're deep in that ed tech or in some, uh, you know, genetic bullshit because they will defend their church. Yeah. I don't know. I guess the the language thing is really interesting to me. Like the idea of like, do we need, or to what degree do people need to have a shared understanding of like the vocabulary that they're using in order to like wage that struggle? Because I, I mean, we need to be able to communicate with each other, like even just on a practical, you know, logistics level. Um, and the language is so powerful. I mean, that's such a massive part of the narrative shaping and the market shaping and, you know, just getting the, the public kind of wound around these people's fingers. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a poet, writer, English professor, like I put a lot of stock in the power of language, but I, I tend to agree with you, Andy. I mean, I, I, I think I said something to this effect in one of the recent episodes, but I think like that deeper conversation about what what is it that we're building and what how do we want to organize it and what who are their you know what are the rules gonna be and what if you dissent like that discussion is the reward that we get, you know, if we're able to actually wage this struggle and win or whatever I don't know whatever winning looks like sorry my dog's breaking. um I do want to say one thing that I I hear what you're saying um Allison that because I do take what you're saying Allison is as even more than just the, the language descriptor you're saying look this is the beast that's at work here this is what we're dealing with and I completely agree with you that and this is why these uh discussions are so helpful because they help me reinforce what is it that I actually believe is going on and what do I need to shed of my old illusions that will be helpful in the struggle that I'm involved in here in the Bay Area. Um, so I don't want to, dis I'm not dismissing it all. And in fact, I value, Allison, you staying focused on, let's remember what this is about. I'm just, I am, I am prepared to put aside right now, people I'm running into, them not necessarily seeing it. But if they get that wrong, they will be fooled by our opponents. At some point, they're going to have to get that right because our opponents are going to use the full spectrum of chicanery and, illusion, and illusions to, to draw people back into the system and get them to buy in. So that, that is going to have to be answered. And if what we're dealing with is this thing called capital and capitalism, we are going to all have to come to that understanding at some point in time. But it, I mean, the thing is, it's already happening. <laughs> I mean in all of the different sections. And I think that's part of like the understanding of what is the struggle. So now, you know, we've moved on from the first year of like, okay, it's about the health stuff 
to people understanding, okay, it's fourth industrial revolution and the internet bodies. Like I think people have a pretty firm grip in economic dispossession and control. I still don't think that most of those, most of those conversations are proceeding with very broad stroke discussions of it's the Chinese social credit system. It's the Chinese ESGs. It's the, um, you know, they're going to ruin all of our food supply <clears throat> without it, at least, and I'm speaking just for being here in the United States and understanding of what it actually is, because I feel like until people can come to terms with what is the United States, like in California sort of embodies a certain component of like what the American dream is, what are we? Because we're defending a concept that I think we don't have a clear, we're not looking at it with clear eyes. And so like the nature of people struggle, like how they define the struggle may be different. Like many people may just be like, I just want my family to be okay. And I have the stuff and I have freedom to do what I want. Um, for me, I feel like the struggle is more, how do we try to heal domination culture? <laughs> like, and I'm not going to see it in my lifetime. I'm not kidding myself that that's an easy thing, but like, until we can lay out a story in an authentic way of like, Hey, like, I think the article that was the hardest for me, the research was really looking into the radiation, like the, the secret military things happening during the Cold War and injecting, like, not that it's totally shocking to me, but literally, I think part of it was like, oh, reading the appendices of the congressional hearings and saying, oh, the University of Chicago got 56 aborted or stillborn babies that they, you know, incinerated and tested for strontium night. And there's, there's a certain like harshness to that, right? Like that is who we are. And I'm not saying other countries don't have their deep, deep baggage and other things and they need to deal with it wherever they are. But I guess my ambitions for this struggle are bigger than simply like beating back this thing for the moment and like carving out some space. And not everybody is has the same job in this. Like, I'm not saying everybody has to do the, the thing I've picked up to carry to do, but yeah, it's how you define the terms of the struggle. And for me, I'm like, wow, there, I guess I just go big, go bigger, but go home. Like, and again, not that I'm just trying to bash it just to bash it or like, but I feel like we can't, until we actually look at it and see it, then like, how are we going to cure it? Like, how are we actually going to get, because it's just going to keep coming back with whatever new technology, it, it's this domination thing is embedded in it. And I will just say like one of my very first article that I thought was quite fascinating was looking at the indigenous people of the Los Angeles area and they were doing an excavation tied to some transit corridor um, opposite the San Gabriel mission. And the guy's like, look, look, there's the water wheel. They're like, this is the first vertical water wheel on the way. It was super efficient. Like this was high technology, like New England, man. Like the New England guy came over from Boston and he like he like he fought the pirates and then he joined the mission. He got the vertical water wheel. And then it was just no, you know, full steam ahead for California agriculture after the vertical water wheel. And like they're pointing to it in the trench and the, you know, opposite the mission. And I'm thinking like the in the mission, they have a, like a statue to the thousands of indigenous people who died, like in that mission, 
like many of whom are probably worked to death digging irrigation canals to feed the damn water wheel and the limit and the orchards that were put in there and the grape, you know, the, the so it's the efficiency. Like, how do we get over that? The experts, the scientific management, the efficiency, the managed life. And I don't know, like, I don't find even in the, like people having the internet of bodies conversation, like, I can't tell you how many people seem to like, like things I put out and then like, I'll glance at their profile and like, they're literally in the biotech sector or they work for Salesforce or they do these things. I'm like, Oh, like, do you have cognitive dissonance? Like, is there, co- I don't know. Do you, that's what I was going to ask Alison is like, what, where do you, do you have a sense of where you think that's coming from? Cause I think like, I feel like so many like anti-mandate or like people in this space that I'm like subscribed to or whatever. Like, I feel like I've gotten emails from probably every single one of them at some point in the last year with like the subject line being, we've won, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, no we hasn't, you know um and maybe yeah okay maybe there was some small like achievement or whatever they got a mandate dropped or whatever but right. like we haven't fucking won like come on um but do you think it's do you think that comes from cognitive dissonance do you think that comes from like a just the intensity of all this and people craving hope or does it come from a selfishness of like yeah I just want me and my family to be fine and if we're going to be fine for our lifetime then that's the best we can do or I don't know like what and I mean I'm saying like I feel like I'm hypocritical too because I I've been bashing academia for I don't know how many years now and I still I'm still in it so I guess where I'm at now is that, you know, we've talked about, you know, building something, right, worth defending. And, you know, I think that that's still true, <laughs> you know, that especially considering where the world is heading uh, and it has to grow and it has to invite people who, you know, like myself right now, you know, I helped with the workers and students for choice at the beginning, but then I'm, I can't because I'm struggling. I'm not so much, I am still in the struggle in my own way, but I'm not, I'm not directly in the struggle because I am struggling because the system is eating me alive right now, financially. Mm-hmm. And so how do we then create things that can give people a way out you know, from that hamster wheel? You know, people who maybe you didn't know would agree with you or, or don't have the time to just get out of the hamster wheel. You know, and I, I actually, you know, I, I talk casually about politics. I talked to this 27-year-old black kid from South Carolina who's new to the Bay Area. And, you know, he's a rapper. He's an artist. And, you know, he also dropped out, from co- dropped out of college. And he was telling me, you know what? They want us to be like robots. You know, so he gets it. He, we don't, we haven't talked. We just had a casual conversation. You know, and, and he gets it. He, he, you know, there is people who get the, you know, the, the sense of the desperation that, that, that this system creates that we're living under. You know, so how do we create something, you know, that will invite people that, that, that it, it creates, you know, again, the figurative 
figurative politics that creates that thing that we want the world to look like, you know? And that's the hard part, right? Because like we said, destroying is easy. I mean, that's the fucking easy part. How do you build something worth defending and, and you know, and, and full of joy and full of love and full of humanity, you know? It's important to understand these concepts, but I think that's that's what makes the big difference, you know? And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's easy. I just think that it needs to happen. <laughs> You know, and like, you know, like at the moment I'm struggling. I know it needs to happen and yet I'm struggling. And, and right, and when I talk about these people like uh, border agents, the prison guards, you know, some motherfuckers enjoy this shit. Absolutely. You know, the, the, some people enjoy this power tripping, you know, in, 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 but I, I still have faith that, you know, and that is just my, the spiritual realm here that I don't think that's what humans are. You know, I don't think that's all we are. We have the, the propensity to maybe, you know, go that route. So then how do we build a society that enhances the other parts, right? Like that allows the other parts to flow. And, and, and I'm not saying like design, like from this technical standpoint, how do we build it together? How do we all pitch in? And, and, and so that's the big riddle. You know, because it's not just about like, uh, uh, you know, going on protests or, you know, it's for me, that's where I call a revolution. It's literally take over spaces in, 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 you know, the, in, in, as a group running things how we want to run it. And that is a fuck you to private property and the plans that they have. And they will come hard after people who try to do this. They have done it already. You know, it, it's, it's part of history and we have to understand that. Um, well, Allison, do you want to say anything? I guess I'll just say that the one thing I think that unites all four of us here is the notion that I think it, the question of go big or go home is true for all of us. Like, I think that is the terms of this. Now, how do we get to the go big? I think all of us are struggling on how to, on how to even piece it together. We all, I think we all feel pretty far away from that big vision of a different kind of world. Um, but I, I, I think that is the one question I think that unites us all or one thing that unites us all here is it is go big or go home. That, that is, that, those are the stakes to me. It's big or going to the transhuman system. <laughs> yes. Or <laughs> go into the metaverse and enjoy yourself. <laughs> well, I would say like, I don't have a good response on, I've been like the last probably six months, very hermity, like, and I, I should probably do better. I just, I think it's like, this is a marathon, right? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm I kind of realize like you do different, you have different stages of this thing. I mean, Kenny, it sounds like you've, you've got that too. You do, you do stuff and then you have to pull back or you reflect. Um, I think Jessica, what you said early on about like the anthropocentrism and Andy also about being connected to nature. I think in taking over spaces are connecting. There is, I increasingly feel like there is a like energetic connection between people and natural systems. It doesn't have to be wilderness systems, but like the stand that we take is more, it's for the more than human. And it's, it's for those that can't, 
agree to this plan, right? I mean, I, I kind of joke on Twitter. I'm like, I stand with the yeast, you know, that's being re-engineered to make stupid spider silk, right? Like this <laughs> poor yeast in a bioreactor, you know? And I'm like, can the yeast say, no, thank you. I'd really prefer not to be genetically engineered to make spider silk. Like, but that is because I, like, literally I talked to this guy last week who's a pen, like scientist and now he does something different, but he used to engineer yeast. Like he didn't even know about Ginkgo Bioworks, but I'm like, you know, we're not that far off of a pile of yeast. Like when you really get right back down to it. So like, where is this line? And so I feel like having like grounding in terms of the spaces, like maybe the space is a physical, like architectural space and then city, but then maybe it's also the connecting to the nature stuff, because I think there's an energetic resonance there that I think they know, like, I think they understand the interconnectivity of the cosmology of people and place and other beings. And they're getting in there with their frequency waves and all that stuff to try to break that up. But I think situating in there and then, yeah, like maybe even small, like, for me, if you think about it from a frequency level and understanding all the nano, maybe it doesn't have to be big. You know, I think it includes music. Like, I think it includes food. I think it includes nature. Like the idea that maybe we like develop a whole co-housing co thing, like off the bat, like that's going to be too hard, but like you could totally have a potluck with music and food, like local food in a park, you know, just what you did. You took your families to a park and you were outside and you connected and that's very powerful. So I don't know, I, I'm not trying to diminish, but like maybe like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, like start with the thing. And maybe that thing is just like five people on a picnic or something and then it builds, but I don't know. I wish I, wish I had more um, energy. <laughs> I don't, it's hard. It's, it's, this has been a slog. I mean, we all know how much of a slog it's been and. Yeah. Um, first thing I want to say to people who've watching this is that we only touched a, a narrow slivers of Allison's article set of art articles. I mean, I think there's some ideas that we touched on that are threading through her articles, but so I really urge people to take a look at that nine the beginning of the nine part series, which might be 10 to a 12 by the time you take a look at it, but it's really worth looking at the things she's writing and some of the resources. And the other things we didn't touch on are just some of the historical documents you cite, the modern mm -hmm. historical documents and the past historical documents. Those are, those left an imp impression on me as well. So I think, uh, you know, so I'm just urging people- Ezra Gosney writing Du Bois, Telling him like, no, you don't understand the fertilization or the fertilization program. You just had the facts. You know? <laughs> I was just like, wow, that's amazing. You know that. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing about where their that letter they were sending to Frederick to FDR about, hey, I've been talking with Einstein. We've got we've got some ideas about how we could split an atom and make some energy out of it. Yeah, but health, you know, not just defense. We've got this help. We got our eye yeah. on the health stuff, you know? Exactly. We want those those radiological isotopes for yeah. sure. Um, so maybe we'll call it a, a day right there. Um, well, thanks, Allison, for joining us again. Um, we'll- yeah, It's good hanging out. 
we'll we'll see if we want to do part two, but let's talk about it after the we sign off here. Um, okay. So that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast channel challenging the mainstream left. Post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog, what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find past episodes of this podcast channel there and connect with us. I remind people, if you like anything you heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of the nine platforms that we're on, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. And um, you can find our blog or any of these, those links in the episode notes, wherever you found this episode. If you'd like to give us feedback or make any comments, please put them on, uh, on our uh, episode here. Um, and uh, let us know, or if you have any suggestions for something to cover, contact us through our blog. Um, so, uh, Allison, thank you. And Jessica, welcome back. And Kenny, as always, good to be here with you. Um, so um, that's it for this week. And um, we'll see what we bring to you next week. It might be Allison, it might not. That's fine. All right, take care. All right, bye guys.